It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Andrew Matthews, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Nice to be here, Laban. Well, it's nice to be with you, Andrew, and my new friend, Andrew Matthews, living up in the beautiful Cairns part, tropical part of the northern part of Queensland, coming in live, probably wearing shorts, I'm guessing. I am. <laughs> Whereas it's just cold, cold on the mother-in-law's kiss down here in Melbourne, but we won't let the weather stand in the way of what will be a wonderful conversation today. Andrew, thank you for coming on today. This is very exciting for me. I didn't know about you all that long ago, but I'm very grateful to have had you come into my life. And I know at least 8 million other people that have bought and read your books would agree with me. My first question, why is Nick Faldo so important to you? <laughs> well, Nick Faldo is a golfer for those of you who don't play golf, and I don't play golf. but. Um, My first book, Being Happy, came out in 1988. And a couple of years after that, and this was in the the time when fax machines, everyone had a fax machine, and you had this roll of thermal paper that went into a fax machine. I got up one morning and there was thermal printed fax right across my office, like 20 or 30 feet of it. And I started reading all these articles they from many from the uk nick faldo had just won the british open golf tournament in a nail-biting finish and apparently when they asked him in the press conference because nick had a reputation for being a little bit grumpy i think and they asked him nick what made the difference for you in in just being so relaxed and calm and uh, winning the british open uh, golf tournament, and he said, "I read this book called Being Happy, and um, that that was, I suppose, what being happy needed in that part of the world to to uh, take it into the bookstores, and and uh, um, that was one of the things that really took helped to take us global. What a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful." feedback to receive and then and then just to explode because you are now in 47 different languages in more than 70 countries now and I'm sure those numbers have gone up since they were posted on your website yeah and I have to thank my wife is my publisher and she was she was uh, the person who said um, soon after Nick helped us to 
start to get into a lot of different countries. Uh, we're going to take this global. And, and so we've had a focus because Australia is a, a small country. And um, if, you've, if you've got a book or a series of books that you want to get into the hands of a lot of people, then you really need to start looking at other languages. And so we're in Mexico and we're in Croatia and we're in South Korea. We're actually in Iran, we're pirated. But I think, you know, there's millions of our books in in Iran, in every bookstore. Um, um, Iran is not part of the, the world um like a copyright agreement, so we don't get anything for that. But we console ourselves that we're making some people happy. Well, who knows? You might have <laughs> prevented a massive uprising with the, the <laughs> wonderful content and what a gift to the world that will be. And I'm sure you'll be rewarded in heaven, whatever that looks like. And and th- th- Nick Faldo's story is a wonderful story, but there's one that I'd love for you to ex- explore a little bit on. What happened to the guy who wore his wife's blouse to university? I was I was in a shopping centre in um, uh, in Kuala Lumpur in about 2013, and a fellow walked up to me. He was uh, casually dressed but very neat, and he said, um, "Are you Andrew Matthews?" And, and I looked at his phone. I could see he was on my website. And I, <laughs> I could see the picture on my website. I was wearing the same shirt that <laughs> was in the picture. So I thought he was going to say, <laughs> have you only got one shirt? But he said, uh, my name is Teku and I'm from Aceh in Indonesia. And he said, and he started to seem a bit emotional so I, there was a, a Starbucks coffee place one floor up. So I said, let's go have a coffee upstairs. And so he said to me, when I was 20 years old, at my lowest point, he said, I was at, I was at uh, university. I could only afford to eat um, one meal like every other day. And he said, so I had no money and and." He said, a friend of mine gave me a copy of your book, Being Happy, the Indonesian version. And he said, I read it and for the first time I came to understand that I choose my thoughts and it was the first time that I'd ever had anyone say to me, you should set yourself some long-term goals. So I wrote my goals on a card and he said, I wanted to have a degree. I wanted to have a wife. I wanted to have two children. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to have a nice car. He said, and all that just seemed so ridiculous and impossible, but that that was my card and I pinned it on my wall and I looked at it every day. And he said, today I'm the Asian business development manager for Schlumberger, he said, I travel the world business class. He said, my kids go to an international school. I drive a BMW. And he said, my bonus last year was, and I, I don't even, I, in confidence, I'm, I can't share with you what he said his bonus was. But, and he said, your book changed my life. And tears were running down his face and tears are running down my face. I said, Teku, 
I didn't change your life. My book didn't change your life. You changed your life. And we've become fast friends and, and we stay in touch and we talk and we, we uh, go out to dinner or breakfast whenever we can and uh, when we're in the same country. And he's had several promotions and then he um, was headhunted by another multinational. And um, uh, he is one of the most inspiring people that I get to spend time with. I get inspired by readers, you know. I, I loved hearing that story in an interview that you had in Singapore or somewhere recently. And, um, and I was curious to know, not, not trying to focus on the monetary side of things, but this, the, the impact of having this man in your life and that wonderful feedback, now that he's sort of ascended the ranks, have you benefited directly or indirectly financially in any way from that relationship? No. I, I just, uh, it just gives me, I've got a picture of him on the, I have a, a board in my office and I've got a picture of, uh, I've got a, a, a goals board and a gratitude board. And I've got pictures of people that, that I love and cherish and, and who uplift me. And uh, so I've got a picture of him and I at the One World Hotel in Kuala Lumpur the, the day that we um, had our first breakfast. And, and I, he, let me tell you another story because this, this is why I, I'm so passionate about personal development. His daughter, who was 13 at the time, that we, we, we had dinner, he told me this story a year or two later, uh, entered a, an international competition for public speaking for 18 and under, 3,500 entrants. English is her second language. Age 13, she won it. Wow. Living, living with a man like that as her father who's inspiring her and encouraging her and saying, go do it, do your best, set some goals. So all of these um, uh, beliefs, ideas, attitudes are then passed down and the next generation and the next generation. Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. And the only reason I ask that question is the go-giver mentality, Bob Berg and John David Mann, who are American co-authors who put together this Go-Giver series. It's about creating wonderful abundance in your life, not not just financial, but all, you know, fulfillment, all the other stuff that, you know, that you're talking about outside of the money by by giving. And uh, it's a flipping the whole charity thing on its head, something that's become very important to me. And the the value that you've got out of that relationship all money aside, sounds like it's weight in gold, you know, priceless really in many ways. And you must have received a lot of this kind of feedback over the, the 20, 30 years you've been doing this. Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary and it is really the cream and the, and the, I mean, when you write a book, you never know whether actually anyone's going to like it or actually, <laughs> firstly, whether anyone's going to publish it. Um, and uh, so... When you get a, a, an email or a letter, and, and I'm fortunate that I, I get letters and emails really on a daily basis from somewhere in the world, 
um, a, a fellow from Mexico actually contacted me with an interpreter and, and arranged a Zoom call because he wanted to say that he was inspired by uh, one of my books and uh, he rode a bicycle around the world. He decided, you know, <laughs> goals are important and he wanted to spread happiness. And uh, I think he went through six bicycle seats and 22 sets of tyres and he was arrested in China and he met Michael Jordan and Bill Clinton and the Pope. And, uh, and this very, I, I think, uh, you know, he's he, not a fellow who's that worldly, uh, not that educated, just decided uh, I'm going to ride a bicycle around the world. Um, so you get stories like that and then and then um, stories from people who just say, I was really struggling in my relationship with my husband and your book encouraged me to focus on some important things and, and life is better. You make being a ultra-successful, best-selling author, speaker, look really easy, but I don't know that that's the case. <laughs> what <laughs> issues did you have getting this book published, the first one? Well, I'd heard that it could be difficult to get a book published. So uh, I, had a, I had this, you know, master plan brainwave that was absolute genius. So I, and this is back before uh, emails and um the internet. So 1987, I wrote Being Happy. And I thought, well, um, if it's hard to get published, I'm not just going to send this manuscript to one publisher, I should send it to like, however many I can find. So I got this book, and it was called The Writers uh, and Illustrators um, yearbook or something, and it listed basically every publisher in the world. So I found 60 publishers that I thought would be, you know, publishers of adult nonfiction in the English language. So, and I sent off these 60 manuscripts. And I thought, this is genius because if I send 60, there's going to be at least like four or five that like it. And then I'll choose. I'm in control, right? So I send off 60 manuscripts. How, how many rejections do you think I got? <laughs> I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say all 60 rejected you. <laughs> 61. <laughs> One publisher wrote to me twice and said, <laughs> forget it. Uh, but, but I persevered. And, and here's another interesting story because... I was traveling through, I was doing workshops and seminars at the time, and I was traveling through Singapore on my way to Sweden. I'd been engaged to do a, a, a weekend workshop there. And I had lunch with a, a friend called Jackie who I'd met in a seminar in Sydney, and I said, um, I've got this manuscript with me. Uh, I'm going to be coming back through Singapore in a week. So if you like, I can leave this manuscript with you. You have a read of it. See if you, if you like it or whatever. Give you something to read. And um, so coming back from Sweden the week later, she, we met again and she said, um, there's a publisher in my building 
she lived in Ken Hill Circle in Singapore, and she was on like the fifth floor. He was on the 11th or something. And she said, I let him have a look at it. And his wife is, is in magazines and they know what sells and they want to publish your book. So that was, that was the beginning. And my thought is this, that in life, in fact, many things don't work. Many things don't work. But if you do enough, then very often the opportunity that you're looking for will come but not from where you've been pushing. It like sneaks up behind you. And so often, I mean, it can, it can be that you're single and you're, you're looking for your soulmate and you start going to discos and you're going to the cricket or wherever it is that you think you're going to meet your soulmate. And all these people that you've got your eye on and all the people or friends or sisters of people who you think maybe somewhere there, no, nah. but from somewhere that you're not anticipating comes this person, this opportunity. And But here's the thing. If you weren't putting in the energy and the effort, then that opportunity from where you never expected it to come from never comes. So you've got to be out there. I could not agree with that more. The, the, the way I perceive the universe now, Andrew, is this, this, these waves of vibrations and energy and, and what is happening in my life as we speak is more than enough evidence I'll ever need to, to know that, that what I'm doing is working based on that exact same principle. And it, it's very exciting. The books that you've written, I'll just reel off a couple now, How, How Life Works, Being Happy, as you mentioned, Follow Your Heart, Happiness in Hard Times. What do, what do happy people have in common? Gratitude. If there's one thing that happy people have in common, it's that they focus on what they have. Um, yeah. <laughs> We, we all know and we've travelled to maybe places like Bali or Africa and we see people who have very little but they just seem to be so happy. And it's not about what you've got, it's about what you focus on. And uh, so my thought is that happy people have happy people focus on what they have and unhappy people focus on what's missing. That being so... I encourage, I, I have a global membership group and one of the first things that I get my members to do is to start making a gratitude list. Uh, every day, just look for three things that you're grateful for. And the reason is that we find in life what we look for. And if you look for faults in your boyfriend or if you look for faults in where you live or what you don't like about your job, you find them. And if you look for good things in your neighbours and if you look for good things in the opportunities you have and if you look for good things in your parents, then you find them. And it's not really a, it's not a, a, a terribly serious, life-shattering commitment. It is just you say, every day I want to wake up and look for three more good things. And it's even better to find little things than big things because, you know, you, you might say, well, I'm happy that, for my wife and then you, tomorrow you say I'm happy I've got a house to live in and I'm happy I had a good education and then you say where do I go from there? But the fact is that 
happy people get excited about little things like, you know, this flower just bloomed on my veranda or I had this beautiful bird that came and sat on my chair or, or this banana bread that I'm eating for morning tea is the most beautiful banana bread I've ever had. It's, it's the little stuff. And the more that we can focus on just the little incidental things, then the more that we are starting to think like happy people think because happy people focus on little things, tiny things make them joyous. And having a gratitude list and looking for little things takes us closer and closer to being and thinking how happy people think. I, I really love that, Andrew, and it's so, it's so simple yet so overlooked and I want to share a story to our audience that you and I know, because that's how you and I connected, but it exemplifies this gratitude, I think. And the story is this. I've got a book coming out. It'll be out by the time this podcast is released called Bet On You. Get it at Kindle, and I'm going to record the Audible for it if you love these dulcet tones. And I was trying to find out, another person to endorse the book. You know, if you want to get your book endorsed, I'm sure you'd agree, Andrew, you've got to ask for people to endorse it in sure. many cases, especially when you're new. And I thought Justin Langer, the current Australian cricket coach, would make a great person to endorse the book. He came on the podcast. We had a great connection. And in watching the footage of the podcast, to, to really, before I asked him for his help, I wanted to add some value in his life. And a conversation that we had on the podcast, he was a huge fan of the artist Pink. And his bucket list is to have Pink come around to their family home in Perth to have a barbecue with Justin's wife and his four daughters. And that would just make us, that would make his whole day. And I thought, how can I make this happen? I interviewed a guy, Steve Sims, who's called the, the he's like the modern day Wizard of Oz. He's got a book called Blue Fishing and he's an executive concierge. And he's just the guy that can make this kind of thing happen. So I bought a copy of the book and wrote Justin this email and and thought nothing more of it. And and but that's not the story. And I continued watching the podcast and and I asked him a question, who was the most influential person he'd ever met in his life? And he talked about spoke about the story about when he was 18 years of age, 4 years before he was picked for the national cricket side. He met you and had a book signed and caricatured because you're an amazing cartoonist. Uh, him with his cricket gear, holding his bat, and the number 250 above his caricature. Now, have a guess, audience. What do you think Justin Langer's top cricket score is? <laughs> 250. And I was like, I wonder if Andrew knows this story. And so I reached out to you via LinkedIn and we had this this conversation and I just what was what was it like hearing about the impact that you had on Justin Langer's life, Andrew? Well, I, I was just delighted because um Justin and I used to play tennis. <laughs> um he was I, I was living about six doors away from the, the cricket academy in Adelaide and, and I had a on the beach there and I had a tennis court. So um, uh, we used to try to improve our topspin backhands and, and we played maybe, I don't know, about a half a dozen games of tennis at most. And I remember uh, 
we had a conversation about the importance of the subconscious and about visualization and goal setting and and uh so uh we we were just chatting and and i can remember saying justin you've got to start to use affirmations that that affirm that you're comfortable in the australian cricket team that, that this is where you belong and i'm i'm loving being a part of the australian test team and i'm scoring runs and 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 this is my dream come true and i'm so happy being an australian test cricketer uh, so i can remember that and i can remember uh, in our kitchen signing a book for justin but i didn't remember writing 250 um and um so 30 years later you come along and say he's had this 250 on on the uh, front page of his book and and obviously uh, as you and I understand, if if something is that deeply imprinted in your subconscious, then then you are such a long way to making that happen. And uh, so, yeah, another demonstration that what we think about, what we picture, what we visualise comes to pass. So this has made me think of something that maybe you haven't thought of yet, Andrew, and, and the next time you're at a book signing, which hopefully will be soon, <laughs> Are you going to be more conscious of the language that you use on the uh, when you're signing these caricatures because of oh, the obvious impact? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a lesson for me and and a reminder for all of us. Uh, just the words that we use are so very important. Uh, what we talk about. Uh, one of the things I often say is that um, what we what we think about, we talk about. That's pretty obvious. Um, you think about food, you talk about food. But the reverse is also true. If you talk about food, you think about it. If if you complain about things, then you think about. So hang on, I see that. Let Are we okay again? I, I bumped my microphone and nah, it just said. Gotcha. Um, still got you. Still got me. So if, if, we, if we think about things when we talk about them, but the reverse is also true, what we talk about, we tend to think about. And so it's very important that we, we don't get drawn into this habit of complaining about things, whether it's about the weather or the government or I've never got any money because it goes into our subconscious and it becomes a part of our reality. Such a beautiful explanation and, again, really simple, it's something that I've experienced firsthand in my own life and it's just it's just helped me take thing, everything supernova. I, I know people are thinking when they look at you or they listen to you, Andrew, they're like, you know, what is this gift that this man has been given? You're a brilliant author and the, the work that you put together. Like what, what gift from God did you get that puts you above and beyond everyone else? But I don't know that that's the case either. What What is the background? How did you get into all of this? Uh, I, I'm a slow learner. That's my gift. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people were aware of things like personal development long before I was. I never read a personal development book till I was 23. I never really thought about self-image or goal-setting much or anything. And uh, so when I started to discover some of these things at 23 years old, it was like, this is amazing. 
you know, you know, I've just read a book about the subconscious and I go and tell someone, they say, oh, yeah, we know about that. So I think because I was so slow, <laughs> retarded maybe, <laughs> in, in, in discovering some of those things uh, that I became so excited. Like ha- if, if I could go 23 years without understanding some of these basic principles about that happiness is essentially a decision we make you know when it comes down to it that 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 blaming other people doesn't help that that you don't forgive other people because um you know you agree with what they did you forgive other people because you want your life to work um that basically worry doesn't help that 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 we find in life what we look for all of those all of those things that that writing down goals is is the critical thing you don't just think about them you write them down all of these things that i came across i thought maybe there's a lot of other people out there that uh have never come across these concepts or it's never been explained to them quite as as well as it might be now the thing was that once i got excited about these things I started to read a lot of books and I can re- remember reading about 200 books on attitude and goal setting and the subconscious. I couldn't believe how boring they were and none of them had cartoons. I mean, this is 30-something years ago. So I thought, I'm going to write a book that's simple. I'm going to write a book that any 12-year-old can understand because I get irritated with big words and people who don't get to the point. And I'm going to put cartoons in it. I I knew I could put cartoons in it. I just didn't know that I could write the book. So that that was my mission, to write a book for anybody and everybody. And, uh, what I began to find was that people would write to me and say, yours is not only the first self-help book that I've ever read, yours is the first book that I've ever read. Wow. So, and sometimes they would say, yours is the first book that I've ever read and my life is so much, much better because of it. So for me, I continue when I write, when I speak, I think I want a 12-year-old to be able to understand everything that I'm trying to get across. So, so for me, it's simplicity is, is critical. And often we don't even need to get new information. We just need to be reminded about stuff that we already know. It's such great advice for aspiring writers or existing writers that that want to be more effective in their uh, in their reach for for the where, how much impact they want their books to have. The way that I've written mine, I deliberately tried not to use too much sort of verbose vernacular. Uh, That's a which, big word, which is a big word in itself. <laughs> Spell um, vernacular. <laughs> the uh, v, I was no, going to say V-E-I-N, Vane, Vane. <laughs> Sounds like something out of a Bram Stoker. And, uh, but it's made me really think about the next thing that I put together, the next book I write is can I, can I get this message out in a more simplistic way because we take a lot for granted being in the Western world and you talk about people reading your book as the first ever book that they've read. Like how powerful is that? 
it's it, I never even thought about it from that angle. So it's a really interesting um, perspective. And for people that are, that don't think they've got a book in them, what advice would you give to people to encourage them to put their story out there? Oh, I think you've got to do it if <laughs> I think you've got to do it if you want to do it. Um, so my thought is, if you if you have a, an inclination to write a book, to write your book, then it's really important to do it because you don't write a book to, to, to make money. Most books don't make money. But it helps you to clarify what's important for you and you, you get a chance to, uh, if, you know, if it's nonfiction, then, then you're, you know, what are your values? What do you care about? What do you want other people to know and understand? And, and when you cr- create that book, then you clarify your own understanding. Uh, if it's if it's fiction, then that's something else again. But it, it's a it's a creative endeavor that that can be a, a joyful thing, and it's it's important to do things you love. Firstly, um, so th- that's my thought that it's important to do it, and and regardless of if whether anybody else reads it or likes it. And what are some of the unintended? Good side effects of the writing that you've done that you've discovered. Well, for for me personally, it, it's meant that that I've spent the world the last thirty five years traveling the world. So um, it's because of the visibility of my books that that, that I speak in regularly when it's not COVID. <laughs> I speak regularly in about 30 different countries. So for me, it's taken me around the world, which has been a, a joy. Um, for me, travel, just for the sake of travel, uh, is not exciting. But for travel, when I connect with real people, with people who live in that country, who are living and working, and and then we do something together, that is what really uh, excites me to, to then create those lifelong connections because we've actually we've worked together to to do a, a seminar or an event or something like that, um, and uh, and so and then there are just things that 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 spin off from being an author. Like inevitably, you have things like an Instagram page and a Facebook page, and then you make connections like that. But my uh, my books are really about, for me, making sense of life and, and how can we live better, how can we have better relationships, how can we be more successful. Um, so, you know, when, when, I, when I go through difficult times or frustrations and, and um, you know, everything goes wrong, as sometimes it, it does for any one of us, then I, I have a chance to make sense of that and very often it will end up as a book, for example, or in a book. You know, the, the story will... So <laughs> the, the, uh, the heartbreaking stories and the frustrations are, become um, material. Well, let's explore this for a second Andrew, what what was the last major adversity that you went through and how did you cope with that? 
Well, I, okay, I wouldn't talk about the last major, well, the, the, the major adversity, I, I think, for me and for Julie and myself. Julie is, is uh, my, my wife of um, 30 years, and uh, her son, Michael, um, had a car accident when he was 18, um, massive head injuries. And uh, Michael was, uh, in fact, the doctors wanted to donate his organs on the first day. And Julie was very strong and, and she said, uh, you know, my job is to save my son. And, uh, and, and the, the doctors kept insisting and saying, you know, we, you know, he'll help a lot of people. And she said, give, give him three days. Just keep him alive for three days and then you'll never see me again. And he was already on a respirator. So we all gathered at the hospital three days later at midday and uh, the doctors unplugged the respirator and Michael breathed and Michael survived. And uh, it became a very uh, long journey. Michael was, was uh, half his he hearing was gone, half his sight was gone. He couldn't speak, he couldn't walk. And so began um, basically 25 years of rehabilitation and uh, today Michael lives by himself uh, a couple of minutes away from where we live. Um, he's still severely disabled, but you know, we learn a lot from Michael. Uh, I learn a lot from Julie. And the three things that, that come up for me, and, and I will sometimes tell this story about Michael, is uh, number one is uh, perseverance, you know, that sometimes perseverance just doesn't mean keeping on keeping on for the next week but it's we're talking about year after year um and um and gratitude um we still have him you know we hoped that michael would have a different life than he has but but we're grateful we still have him so perseverance, gratitude, and the other one is acceptance, that, that the first step to dealing with any major um, adversity is, is saying, this is where I am. You know, we can say, well, it shouldn't be happening or if someone had done something different, but it didn't. And, and happy people uh, accept where they are and then move on to what they want. So um, that, that was an enormous, uh, enormously um, life-changing and um, education, educational experience for Julie and I, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing, Andrew. I, I had no idea. And my, my follow-up question is this. Had you not been in the space that you are and the work that you do, how differently do you think you would have handled that situation? Yeah, I, I, I would certainly have uh, struggled more. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have a wife who has incredible strength and courage. And so I have been, uh, uh, I have been in many ways following her lead over these last 30 years or so. So, but, but for my own self, 
uh, there's a point where you say, uh, I write these books about happiness. <laughs> I'd better practice what I preach. And, you know, that's a good thing about writing books about attitude. You know, at some stage, you, something comes along, you get upset briefly, but it's, it's not that you don't ever feel disappointed, but the, the, the question is how quickly do you bounce back? And, and that's what I tell myself. That I, I, you know, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be joyful 24 hours a day, but am I bouncing back when I get kicked in the guts? Well, I was going to say, has there been any instances where you've cracked the shits in life and had someone very promptly remind you from the public and hand you a copy of your own book telling you to be <laughs> happy or something along those lines? Um, I, certainly, Julie, my wife, has you know sometimes said, you know, if if I'm if I'm expressing some disappointment or uh, irritation, you know, I can remember her once or twice saying, "Didn't you write that book called Being Happy?" Yes, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can empathise a little bit. I uh, had a bit of a weak moment the other day and ate ice cream and custard, uh, which is a vice of mine that I've been getting better and better at. And then my darling fiance, who's who's overseas at the moment, I told her about it because I'm honest with her about everything. And and uh, and she she was like, "Is that the behaviour of the man who's supposed to be the number one courage coach on the planet? Someone who's supposed to be?" Leading by example, and I got really shirty, which I was I was agitated from the the excess carbohydrate, and uh, and then once I cooled down a little bit, I was I was like, ah, oh, actually, it's right. Like I'm teaching or speaking about, you know, this this lifestyle, and like you say, like I'm far from perfect, um, but it's the bounce back ability, and now I feel like I've come back stronger for it, and I think that's the blessing and owning what we are, what we're practicing, what we're preaching here. Yeah, bouncing back what it's all about. Andrew, where do people find you? Um, um, AndrewMatthews.com is my website. That's Andrew, I think there's only one way to spell Andrew, Matthews, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S.com. Um, so I've got, uh, I've got a free uh, seven days to happiness course, email course, that I invite you, those of you that are listening, to uh, register for that and and uh, I can send you some little messages about things that you can do every day for seven days to be a little happier. Um, I'm on Instagram, Andrew Matthews Author. I'm on Facebook, Andrew Matthews Author. Um, and uh, I'm probably some other places like LinkedIn. And I've, I've have a YouTube channel. You do. So on the on the, on the YouTube channel, you'll see me drawing cartoons and things. The my books are on on Amazon and uh, uh, in bookstores around the world. At all good major and minor uh, bookstores, the, we haven't really focused much on the caricatures and the the cartoonery because uh, of the medium that we're using, and I don't want to exclude our our audio only <laughs> audience. But uh, and we'll put I'll put that link below for the uh, the free seven day course seven days to happiness which I have taken and uh, and be- have benefited from um, dramatically. I've also powered through a number of your um, YouTube videos which are very short and very easily consumable and have lots of your wonderful cartoons on there as well, which is fantastic. Uh, Andrew, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? You know, uh, my thought is that. 
if we can just be happy for the next 24 hours, if we can look for good things for the next 24 hours, and we do that and then we get to tomorrow and we just say, this is my 24 hours. I want to look for good things. What am I grateful for? What do I love about the, 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 the people that I spend my life with? If, if, if we say, I want, to, I want to quit complaining, I want to be kind, uh, you know, if we can just say, I, I give one compliment a day to somebody, then, you know, with those little things that, that just add up, make a difference. So I quit complaining. Uh, I be as kind as I can because kind people are happy people. And uh, every day I just say, what am I grateful for? Then, then at the end of it, we say, I had a happy life. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Matthews. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.